Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, folks. Thanks for tuning in to AOA today. Appreciate you making us a part of your day. And what a day it is already. We're going to talk about the rally that's going on in the grain markets here in just a moment with Darren Newsom of Newsom Analysis. And then in segment two, we're going to turn our focus back to the low water levels on the Mississippi. Ginger Rousey, a senior writer at Delta Farm Press, has been covering it extensively. She's going to have an update on the ground from how it looks there on the lower Mississippi. And then in segment three, we're going to check it with Laura Zinger, the director of sales at Erner Berry, their global protein site. Summit just wrapped up. They're just going to have an update as to what they are watching with regard to the protein industry going forward. And we're going to end today talking about wheat yields. The National Yield Contest has come to a close, and some of those winners, folks, blew my mind with their production in wheat, both irrigated and dryland. We'll talk with Ann Osborne from the National Wheat Foundation about that at the end of the episode. But let's talk first about what's going on over in the markets. Rally in the grains, rally in the energies. Darren Newsom joins us now. And Darren, what's got the markets moving today? Yeah, it's it's interesting, Mike. Uh, what we've what we've got going on here today is, you know, fundamentally these markets are bullish, as you and I've talked about in the past. They're they're going to stay bullish for the foreseeable future. So we're going to get these waves of activity where you know we're going to see some fund money coming back in, particularly if the stock market can start to stabilize. Uh, but again, the the key is we're going to continue to see commercial support. And right now, the biggest story to me uh, is is this corn basis market where you know the stories i'm hearing particularly from the from the southern plains feeding area uh is just it's a cutthroat business out there merchandisers are doing whatever they can to find some corn supplies at this point what is that doing for basis down there in the southern plains darren what have you heard well i had a, I had a gentleman from uh, far southwest kansas call me yesterday uh and he was telling me his his local area has gone to a dollar fifty over december and, and this is pretty common. Uh, I mean, it, it's just an incredible basis right now. And they're even pushing for 2023 new crop. Uh, I think it was like 40, 50 cents over uh, December 2023 for next year. They're just trying to get things locked up. So, and I think if, you know, the situation is if you go into a merchandiser and you want to, and you want to haggle a little bit, I think it's, I think there's, a, I think there's room for improvement almost on a case by case basis. That is something else, Darren. That dollar fifty—that's going to move a lot of corn from the eastern belt farther west, isn't it? One would think so. Theoretically, it should, but it might not because a lot of this newly, a lot of these newly harvested bushels are just getting locked up tight. Knowing, you know, this is something we've been talking about for over a year. Available stocks to use are tight. Uh, U.S. just does not have a lot of corn, and so now that we've got harvest, you know, what more than fifty percent done, you know, those bushels are probably getting locked up in bins and. Those doors might not get open till maybe the first of the year, possibly not till next spring. And so, you know, this is going to keep this is going to keep the basis market hot for the foreseeable future. Darren, keeping the focus on basis here, look over at the soybean market with all the challenges on the rivers, with the transportation difficulties. Is that showing up in basis as of yet? Yeah, it, it's interesting. We're seeing kind of a mixed basis market right now with with the eastern Corn Belt, let's just say east of the uh, Missouri River, uh, it, you know, possibly seeing a little bit of weakness as supplies are starting to build at those locations where, you know, they can't move it on down the river. But what we're trying to do is move everything out of the PNW at this point. So what that's doing is it's really uh, it's kind of kind of spiking the Northern Plains basis market. I've been hearing some, from some folks in you know South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, and so on, where their basis is again red hot for soybeans, and they're trying to get you know merchandisers trying to get things loaded uh, to move out west again to load onto ships and send over to China. It's a it's an interesting market again, kind of split, but overall national average basis continues to hold firm. Darren, with that basis action happening on the ground, watching futures today in soybeans, we're up 17 to 20 cents here across the board. Was there any piece of news that's moving these markets or is this just oversold conditions starting to uh, ameliorate? 
you know, what we've got in corn and soybeans is a lot of sideways activity in here. Uh, so, you know, we go down to the lower end of the range and we bounce back. And that's pretty much what we're seeing in soybeans right now. Future spreads are saying we're long-term bullish. Uh, so not, nothing there has changed. Uh, and so once in a while, you know, you're going to get these rounds. Okay, so maybe there's some commercial activity being done in here. We did see some sales, uh, but that business was probably done the last couple of days, you know, maybe possibly even going back to this past weekend. Uh, but overall, you know, probably getting some commercial done. Uh, commercial business done in here. And again, just the overall idea that we have tight supply and demand, it's not going to change. And traders are starting to look more to South American weather as well. And what are you seeing when you take a look down at South America? Darren, are you still figuring on a record uh, bean crop out of Brazil? You know, I know that's the talk. Uh, I know what something like 152 or whatever it is, million metric tons out of Brazil. The market's just telling us a different story. You know, maybe we have 152 million metric tons coming out of Brazil. We don't know. It's, you know, it's the equivalent of late April here in the, in the northern, uh, you know, in North America. So it, it's still too early to know. But, you know, the future spreads are still bullish. Uh, we not only for the 2022-23 market, but the 23-24. So, I mean, the commercial side of the market saying, okay, there's all this chatter of these huge production numbers and this and that and everything else. But they're not convinced. They're not convinced that we're going to completely correct or, or solve this tight supply, strong demand situation. All right. Could be some exciting times ahead. Darren, I want to get your topic, your thoughts here on the cattle market. Expecting a cattle on feed report on Friday. I've been bullish this market for two years. You've been a little bit more bearish, kind of a wet blanket on me. What do you think here in this market? Are things changing in the spreads? I think we could be starting to see some change, and in particularly that that Feb uh, that Feb April spread. And so, what this is telling me again, the, the the cattle on feed is as of October one, so it was for spread activity and placements and all of this during the during September. It's already priced in the market. But as we look forward, you know that 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 Feb April spread has been showing some strength here uh, over the course of October. So that's telling me, you know, as we start looking ahead, placements are starting to come down. May not be in this report. But in subsequent reports, we could see placements starting to come down. I think the effect of cow slaughter uh, is going to start to be felt on the market. And, you know, if we if we pull that string far enough, all of a sudden what comes into question is that same feed demand that's driving corn uh, corn basis at this point. I think it's going to stay strong for, you know, I think we're going to continue to see plenty of cattle uh, for the next four to six months. Beyond that, I think the situation starts to tighten up. Darren, are we seeing the managed money, those outside funds, take an interest in the cattle market yet? They come and go. Um, you know, a lot of it's been tied to what's going on in U.S. stock markets. And, you know, we've those those have been in long term downtrends. You know, the overall feeling that, you know, the inflation, this, that and everything else uh, really kind of weighing on some of these markets. But if we look at if we look at boxed beef, October has been pretty bullish month, uh, particularly for uh, for choice. Uh, selects also firmed a bit. And so this is you know, this is another bullish economic indicator that I'm looking at the boxed beef starting to turn around. And if that's the case, uh, uh, we could start to see some some support uh, in the cash market, which will, you know, again, provide support to the nearby right now. The October futures contract could start to build on that as we head uh, through the last of the fall as well. All right. As long as consumers have cash and Darren, we're seeing gas prices come back up. That's a concern out there in the economy. So much to think about in 2022. Darren Newsom of Newsom Analysis tracks all these things. Darren, where can our listeners keep up with your writings? Yeah, Mike, the easiest way to do that is to go to DarrenNewsom.com. There's a selection you can make to sign up for a seven-day free trial under services. And uh, just see what we talk about, see what our commentary, what our analysis is over the course of every day, week, so on. Fantastic. Always appreciate your insights, folks. That's Darren Newsom. Stick around. We'll be talking with Ginger Rousey of the Delta Farm Press when AOA returns. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. We all know clean fields lead to strong yields. That's why ExtendFlex soybeans offer triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate to control more weed species than any other soybean system. Even tough weeds like water hemp, palmer amaranth, and mare's tail. Get the control, flexibility, and proven performance you need so you can focus on the business at hand instead of beating back weeds. Explore the Roundup Ready Extend crop system at systemofchoice.com. Claim based on approved EPA herbicide labels as of January 2021. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. I think farming picked me. I didn't pick farming. 
I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With Channel, I know I'll prosper for years to come. Define your future at channel.com slash future. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2022 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. Tune in the first Wednesday of every month to listen to The Monthly Grind here on AOA. It's brought to you by our friends at the National Corn Growers Association, and each month we're going to dig into one specific aspect of corn demand. What happens to this grain after it leaves your operations and enters the global supply chain? That's what we're going to talk about each month on The Monthly Grind. Again, that's the first Wednesday of every month, and you can also find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It's a show you don't want to miss. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. We, 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 we are, are the, the foundation, foundation fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Keeping farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA today. You know, for the past several weeks, we've been talking about the low water levels on the inland waterways across this great country. We've been focused on the Mississippi, but of course, it's impacting nearly every waterway across the country. And we've been talking about it from a very high-level picture. What's it like? What are the numbers? What are the gauges showing? But it's also having a human impact, and it's having an economic impact, and it's really changing the shape of business as we get farther downriver. So I wanted to dig into that a little bit more. Joining us in this segment is Ginger Rousey. She's a senior writer with Delta Farm Press, and she has been covering the low water level in the Mississippi here for the better part of the past month, has been talking to folks who make their living on the river, and she's going to join us with an update. Ginger, thank you so much for jumping on today. Hi, Mike. How are you? I am doing very well, and I'm curious, Ginger, in your conversations with folks on the river, how severe is the situation this year? Very severe, and and one even described it as disastrous. Those were the words. Uh, so it, it, when you drive over a bridge over the river and, and see the low levels, it's, it's shocking. Um, and then it, you realize that it does have some very real-world implications that, that people are feeling right now. They certainly are. Up and down the river, in the Delta region in particular, Ginger, you're right in the thick of it. What are some of the impacts your farmer readers are noticing from the, the slowdown so far? Well, immediately, and it, it, right now, it's, it's just, um, you know, longer lines at grain elevators. Um, they're already seeing, you know, the basis widening at those uh, elevators along the river. Uh, you know, and that's happening throughout the the region, not just the mid mid south, but also up into the I states. But uh, just you know, reports of soybeans being dumped on the ground because there's nowhere to store them. Um, you know, in, in the mid south, we don't have the grain storage that that 
you do in the Midwest. Uh, we're still, I mean, you know, historically a cotton producing area. And so we're, we're putting grain bins in every year, but we, we don't have that infrastructure like some other parts of the country. And so, um, you know, just having having a place to take your beans and and being able to get those, and and this is what is is sort of the I don't I don't I guess ironic is the wrong word, but we haven't had a fall like this in a long time, Mike. And being able to have a dry fall where you could actually get your harvest done and get your crop out of the field, you would think would be a blessing, but now it's also causing. Uh, just really further complicating things because everyone is is running so hard to get everything out at the same time. Absolutely. It's the worst possible time for a massive, severe, quote, disastrous drought right, on the Mississippi. Right. So, Ginger, you've been talking with barge captains who have to navigate these mm -hmm. low waters. Can you talk a little bit about your connections there and what has changed as the water levels gone down from the barge uh, captain's perspective? Sure. I thought that was very, you know, interesting because I've, I've, I've never really talked with anyone from that industry. And uh, I had a mutual connection with with a barge captain. So I guess in journalism, that was that's sort of cheating, I guess. But but anyway, he he connected me and we were uh, we got to talk uh, throughout the month of October. We've been we've been talking and uh, the barge captain, Eric Baddo, he's been on the river for 46 years working as a captain for 40. So he's seen it all. And he just says it's just terrible. Um, in, the, in our last conversation, and he was talking about just the crazy things that the river is doing as as the waters keep receding. And he's saying it's almost as if the river is shifting, like the channel is moving. Um, instead of being able to, you know, navigate maybe right down the middle, they're now having to be right up against the the bank. Oh, you know, boy, that would be a hair-raising situation, pushing yes. all of those bushels of grain down the river right up against the, the yes. bank. And Ginger, not only are they having to negotiate the more turns, more twists, mm -hmm. but just the time to transit from Cairo down to St. Louis, or excuse me, down to New Orleans is mm -hmm. increasing, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, uh, Eric's told me that it typically, you know, for his route maybe takes eight to 10 days to get from uh, Illinois down to, to New Orleans, uh, considerably longer this time, considerably longer. And now he's estimating, Eric has dumped his last load in New Orleans. He's heading back up river saying it's probably going to take him 30 days. Just the oh, traffic wow. is so congested. And the way he described the situation to me yesterday, it's just the barges are in a line. They're following each other. Um, and sort of further compounding this issue is is the tow and tugboat industry is just like every other industry is is facing these huge labor shortages and he That's mentioned a really me, good point yeah and he mentioned to me that the person the the in the tow behind him this was the first time this was their first time to captain a a, a barge load going back up the river and so just to think that, that you know wow trial by fire but uh he's just following Eric and, and just, you know, if Eric can make it through, then this guy can. So they're kind of trying to work together, really communicating with each other where the trouble spots are. Boy, I would not want this year to be my inaugural run no, up the Mississippi. What a challenge. It, Ginger, you mentioned the labor challenges. And mm -hmm. I guess when I have driven over the Mississippi and I've seen barges running down, I don't see a lot of folks running around. I always imagine there's a captain, but how big are the crews on these barges? Right. So the, the, um, the barge that the tow that Eric is captaining, it, he has a nine person crew. And so that includes a pilot, some deckhands. There's there's a cook that's on board. Um, and he's talked about that they're actually, too, having to work longer days. Like the typical shift is 28 days on, 28 days off for, for their crew. That's what that's what Eric typically runs. He's an independent contractor, but he's had to shift to 42 days on and then 14 days off just to fill all the holes and uh, that, that are needed other places. Wow. And I suppose if it's going to take 30 days to come back up river, a 28 day Absolutely. off just isn't sure. going to work. You exactly. know, when we think about the delays that you've mentioned, the piling of soybeans on the ground is obviously having an economic impact, but just the slowdown on the river, mm -hmm. Ginger, I know you spoke with Eric about the costs of sitting. Those numbers are, are kind of staggering. What, what did he say? How much does it cost for a boat to just sit? Right. So in one day, and he, he didn't move in the day, he was just sitting there, you know, fighting the current. But to do that, he burned 2,367 gallons of diesel fuel. So just kind of a rough estimate. I mean, that's at least $10,000 just in fuel for one day. And you didn't go anywhere. Oh, uh, that's it. And that was just sitting there waiting for the river to open up. Right. Ginger, are, are, do you know, as of right now, are there any current closures on the Mississippi? 
at my last check, there were three uh, closures that they were dealing with, and and I have not heard from U.S. Coast Guard as of this morning. So some of those may have reopened, but I know as of yesterday there were three that they were working on um, near Hickman, Kentucky. There was one north of Memphis, and then another south of Tunica, Mississippi. So, yeah, it's. I think they they have some partial openings where you can get through, but um, it's it's just traffic is just moving so slowly. It's moving so slowly. In your conversations with Eric, he mentioned, as you said, that the, the slowdown is expected to continue. Were they hoping for any relief here before we get into the depths of winter? You know, I, you know, you, of course, you, you've talked with meteorologists every day and, and it's just not looking good for, for rain or any moisture coming to the area. And then, of course, this doesn't just um, fix itself overnight, right? So I, I don't know. His outlook is not good. He did say, and I did think this was probably important to get out there because we have now broken the record that was set in 1988 for low water levels. And Eric was a, was a barge captain in 1988, so he remembers that year well. He, he did say that even though the levels are as low now, the river is still more navigable just because of the work that the Coast Guard and the Army Corps of Engineers have done with dredging and other things projects to, to ensure that that river remains navigable. So it, while the rivers are at their lowest, this isn't the absolute worst situation that he's ever seen. So hopeful that some moisture comes at, at some point and, and that we can and things start to turn around. Absolutely. Hopefully it turns around not just for folks across the Mid-South, but for everybody who's relying on that vitally important artery of the Mississippi River here to get fertilizer back up river to prepare for next year. Ginger, while we've got you on the line, harvest, of course, moving along there in the Mid-South. How's it coming? Are growers feeling fairly positive about returns that you've heard so far? You know, our harvest for a lot of growers, it really depends where you are, where you're standing. Corn has not been very good for, for anyone, um, but soybean crop looking really good in some places. Of course, we have some areas, Northeast Louisiana, South Central Mississippi, they received 20 inches of rain in August and, and not doing really good with their soybean. Cotton, sort of similar. You go to some farms and they're harvesting, you know, well above their five-year average. And then maybe you go to others not that far away and they didn't get those timely rains this summer. And they're, you know, very pessimistic outlook. So it's it's just sort of a hit and miss of, of where things are good and bad. But where they're good, they're really good as far as yields. Well, that's good to hear. Ginger, before we let you go, where can folks log on to check and read your writing on the river? Sure. Uh, we're part of the Farm Progress Group and our website at deltafarmpress.com. Fantastic, folks. That's Ginger Rousey, senior writer there at Delta Farm Press. And Ginger, thanks for the update on the river Thank situation. You. And folks, stick around. When AOA returns, we're going to be speaking with Laura Zinger, the Director of Sales at Ernerberry, about the recently completed Ernerberry Global Protein Summit happened this week in Chicago. So stick around for that update on the protein markets here on AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. As a farmer, growing your business is more than just a nine to five. It's your life's work. That's why the Roundup Ready Extend crop system goes all in to help you stay on top. Backed by decades of innovation, offering the latest trait technology and triple herbicide tolerance, plus more weed species controlled than any other soybean system. Because you mean business, and so do we. Learn more at systemofchoice.com. Claim based on approved EPA herbicide labels as of January 2021. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. I think farming picked me. I didn't pick farming. I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With channel, I know I'll prosper for years to come. Define your future at channel.com slash future. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2022 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Well, first up, let's take a look at what we're seeing on the export front. The Daily Wire, we got some new sales announced to China and unknown destinations. 201,000 metric tons to China with 132,000 metric tons sold to unknown destinations. 
for this current marketing year. Now, on the weekly export sales side, USDA reported an increase of 85.8 million bushels of soybean export sales. We expected that with the big China sales late last week. Corn, an increase of 16.1 million bushels of corn export sales with wheat, an increase of 6 million bushels of wheat export sales. So still kind of lagging there in corn and wheat, but soybeans, a solid week here to report. Now, as we look at the market trade, we're kind of just uh, pushing higher a little bit in grains. Beans are the leader with quarter wheat, just relatively firm, while the livestock trade is relatively mixed. We did see strong export sales numbers for pork again, 40,800 metric tons with Mexico the top buyer, while beef net sales 16,600 metric tons, keeping in line with the last couple of weeks of sales. Now we have a few different news items we're continuing to watch in the trade as a positive money flow is here on the back of the fighting continuing in the Black Sea region as well as uh, some news out of China that the uh, BRIC nations, Brazil, Russia, India, and China, they met in late June to uh, draw out a plan for circumventing the SWIFT banking system and to establish a framework to encourage trading between the countries using the yuan as its central currency. Well, now Saudi Arabia is expressing interest in joining the BRIC coalition amid increased tension with the United States. So that is something that we're keeping a close eye on in this trade as well. Overall, though, looking like a positive day led by grains and the energies. Crude oil up 250 a barrel, 88.05. This is AOA. I'm Jesse Allen. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA Today. Always appreciate being a part of your day and what a day it is. Seeing the markets are moving and conversations wrapped up yesterday in Chicago between some of, well, I should say a group of some of the largest protein suppliers and buyers in the world. They gathered at the Drake Hotel for the Ernerberry Global Protein Summit. Joining us now for an update on that summit, some of the themes discussed is Laura Zinger. She's the Director of Sales over at Ernerberry host of their podcast, and Laura, how was the Global Protein Summit this year? Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for having me, by the way. The show was an absolute whirlwind of networking, excitement, and, I mean, basically five days' worth of information into two in a really, really easily consumed and exciting format. So it was a, it was a really successful show with an amazing turnout. That is good to hear. There's so much discussion right now in the protein space. But before we get into what was under discussion, Laura, Erner Berry might not be a name that's familiar to a lot of our audience right now. Tell us a little bit about what you folks do. Absolutely. So Erner Berry's been around for over 160 years. We're a price reporting agency in the protein space. Uh, so we quote the different prices across poultry, eggs, beef, pork, seafood, plant protein, you name it. We do it. Um, and we are the benchmark that's largely recognized in a lot of the trading that happens in those areas. Uh, we have also recently, in 2022, received type 1 assurance from IOSCO. So we are aligned with those principles and moving even more um, close to those principles as we move forward in our methodologies and really getting uh, certified on different levels so that we can be a benchmark across the board. So uh, what we do really helps all the different companies across the world who who feed people and and that's really what drives us every day 
Absolutely. Erner Berry is a great resource, folks. I'd encourage you to uh, to check it out. Fantastic data on the meat and protein industry, broadly, particularly as it relates to consumers. And so, Laura, that's kind of what I'd like to start with here. We've seen a lot of volatility. Consumers have been buffeted by COVID and now inflation. From the, the perspective of the attendees at the GPS, how are consumers holding up here as we round out 2022 and their demand for protein? So there was a lot of interesting conversation about this. So we focus at Ernerberry primarily on the on the wholesale side of things, but we talk a lot about the consumers. And each panel that that addressed the the topic of consumers tended to have a different perspective on each generation and the trends. You know, some speakers were talking about how consumers of certain age groups no longer want to be called consumers, uh, but they want to be called contributors and thought of as using their money to contribute towards causes that are really um, important to them, social causes, environmental causes, whatever the case may be. While other speakers were very clear that at this point with inflation and about 53% of people who are concerned about their income and their spend were concerned about food costs, which was a very interesting topic, they're really more worried about going to the store and getting what is affordable. Um, on another front, in terms of consumers, consumers are also part of the labor force. We had a great panel on Wednesday morning regarding labor, talking a little bit about how in certain areas, uh, government programs that provide unemployment or in, in past times, uh, stimulus benefits, go a little bit further, and that impacts our industry extensively uh, because most of the plants and facilities that we talk about at these events happen to be in rural areas. So we covered consumers from pretty much every angle, and it seemed that depending on the topic, there was just an incredible amount of information on, on where things are headed. That is the case. There's so much to sort out here in this new economy we're grappling with. Laura, you mentioned government programs having an impact on consumers, but we also see government actions having an impact on producers, most notably under discussion right now, of course, is Proposition 12 in California. How do your customers, those wholesale food buyers, how are they grappling with Proposition 12 here in 2022? It's a great question. I know that a lot of people are talking about it. Uh, we get a lot of calls into our analysts about Prop 12 um, on the egg side, on the pork side. It, it is definitely a hot topic for conversation. What I would say is, is generally the people that, that work with Erner Berry, and there are thousands of them, the way that they handle it is to use us as a resource. Not only are we covering that news consistently on our, you know, broad array of websites, you know, foodmarket.com, comtel.com, but also, you know, our analysts, uh, do talk to our customers every single day um, and have contacts throughout the industry. So, you know, they're calling in, they're asking questions, they're giving information, they're providing this really great open framework for communication around what the future might hold. But I think that um, from what I've heard, and I'll never speak for our analysts, but on the egg side, it seems that there's a uh, you know, a lot more action happening. And on the pork side, there's still a lot more conversation and catching up and, and making those plans and strategizing on how the industry will respond to this and, and how they will innovate. But frankly, with my years of experience with this industry, however small they may be in comparison to others, I found that everybody in food, especially animal protein, is smart, innovative and ready to take whatever comes their way. And I think we saw that when it comes to COVID, when it comes to unemployment, when it comes to remote work, when it comes to inflation, there's never been a time since I've started at Erner Berry that I've been concerned for the people we do business with because they always overcome. That is a fantastic point. We have seen the food industry come through a lot of trials and tribulations. And with Proposition 12, once we get some certainty, I'm sure we'll be able to see that industry move forward with that regard. You touched on something interesting there. The, the difference we're seeing in attention to different protein products. And I'm curious, Laura, with your experience and the conversations at the GPS, when you think about pork, beef, seafood, and alternative proteins, the plant-based variety, which areas are, are driving the most fireworks right now in, uh, in, in your, your ecosystem? It's a good question because it depends on who you talk to, right? So when, I, when I'm at work, I talk to everybody in every space because I'm in sales, right? Um, 
But if you talk to somebody that's a seafood analyst, they would say seafood. You know, if you talk to the person who reports on crab, they would say that there's a lot to talk about there. If you talk to the egg office, they would say market volatility there and some recent record highs in the, in the product market would be topic of conversation. If you talk to the people in poultry or beef, they would say, you know, contra-seasonal indicators have, have made their phones ring off the hook. So there's a lot to be said for each of these. I would say not one is more prominent than the other because the volatility is constantly shifting. It's sometimes you're seeing things having downward pressure that you would have assumed would have cost more right now. And in other cases, you're seeing sustained high prices uh, that just don't seem to come down. And so they're topical, but for different reasons and all really being discussed, I would say they're all fireworks in, in our office at least. You know, and that that corresponds pretty well with the conversations we have from folks in the protein space on the commodity side there. The excitement for protein right now is is truly palpable. I'm curious, Laura, you mentioned how the different generations are looking at different at, uh, attributes when they're going to to purchase food to make these decisions. From that perspective, looking at it from a how does protein fit with the social consciousness perspective? Do you, do you think there's any risks to protein consumption long-term from changing viewpoints? Well, I mean, I wouldn't call myself a subject matter expert on this, but I've done a lot of podcasts on this and had a lot of conversations at these different shows across the board. And I think, you know, animal protein is here to stay. I think that uh, a lot of the most forefront companies on the plant and alternative side are not actually looking to replace animal protein, and they recognize its importance uh, in the center of the plate for consumers. Um, I think generally speaking, you know, what's driving a lot of this is providing choice to consumers, but not taking away choice. And I think that a lot of the largest meat and traditional protein companies also recognize that there's a space somewhere on that plate for the alternative and plant-based markets to, to have something there for the consumer. I, I think it's pretty notable, and it was mentioned in a few panels, that the younger the generation tends to be, the more uh, transparency they want, the more uh, environmentally conscious they are, the more that they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves, and they want their dollars to go towards that as well. So I would say there's definitely a difference as you work your way down in age groups, but at the end of the day, we are all trying to spend our money in the best way that we can because we are all at the other end of this inflation problem. So while I think there's definitely some momentum behind people wanting to make good choices that are going to have a great impact on the world around them and their health and well-being, I'd say that there's no question that meat is here to stay, and I don't think anybody could argue that. Well, I'm certainly not going to argue with you, Laura. I love meat. I plan to continue consuming it forever. I'm curious, you mentioned your podcast. There's so many things constantly changing in this industry. How can folks keep up with your podcast and what issues are you discussing? So that's a, a fantastic question. We discuss everything. So we've had, you know, agricultural recruiters. We've had Beyond Meat. We've had Certified Angus Beef. We also have our in-house analysts risk management groups, you name it. We try to cover anything and everything from grain all the way down to retail that might impact our customers and all of the adjacent companies that are in the ag space. Uh, so the best way to find us is on Spotify. You can search Ernerberry. Um, it's called the Ernerberry Market Digest. We publish a couple of times a month, and our guests are fantastic. We have a good time, and we talk about not just markets, but we talk about French fries and what kind of cocktails we like, and we have a great time while getting a lot of information exchanged. It's a good time. That is very cool. And if we've got listeners who want to just get caught up on everything Ernerberry has to offer, Laura, where can they go for information? I would definitely say head over to our LinkedIn page. You can search Ernerberry on LinkedIn. If you're not a LinkedIn user, then I would say head over to our Comtel website. That's C-O-M-T-E-L-L.com. And that'll give you a synopsis of everything we do and how to get in touch with us for more. Fantastic. Laura Zinger, Director of Sales at Ernerberry. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Thanks, Mike. And folks, stick around when AOA returns. We're going to be talking about some of those record wheat yields with Ann Osborne, Project Director of the National Wheat Foundation. Stick around for more AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. 
the good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad. Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey. Why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. These acres you've put your life into. Your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. As a farmer, growing your business is more than just a nine to five. It's your life's work. That's why the Roundup Ready Extend crop system goes all in to help you stay on top. Backed by decades of innovation, offering the latest trait technology and triple herbicide tolerance, plus more weed species controlled than any other soybean system. Because you mean business, and so do we. Learn more at systemofchoice.com. Claim based on approved EPA herbicide labels as of January 2021. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. I think farming picked me. <laughs> I didn't pick farming. I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With Channel, I know I'll prosper for years to come. Define your future at channel.com slash future. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2022 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. And we're live here outside the Perez family home just waiting for the... And there they go, almost on time this morning. Mom is coming out the front door strong with a double-arm kid carry. Looks like Dad has the bags. Daughter is bringing up the rear. Oh, but the diaper bag wasn't closed. Diapers and toys are everywhere. Ooh, but Mom has just nailed the perfect car seat buckle for the toddler. And now the eldest daughter, who looks to be about 9 or 10, has secured herself in the booster seat. Dad zips the bag closed, and they're off. Ah, but looks like Mom doesn't realize her coffee cup is still on the roof of the car. And there it goes. Oh, that's a shame. That mug was a fam favorite. Don't sweat the small stuff. Just nail the big stuff. Like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Learn more at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. This is Ernie Johnson Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles. And college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD and you can help. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill. Or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. 
diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA Today. Harvest is rolling along for corn, soybean, and cotton farmers across the country. No doubt they're sitting in cabs tallying up what that final yield might look like. Wheat growers are a little ahead of the curve. The Wheat Grower National Wheat Yield Challenge has closed. We've got the winners in hand. And joining us now to discuss this year's wheat yield contest is Ann Osborne. She's the project director for the National Wheat Foundation. Ann, thanks so much for joining us here today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Let's talk about this contest. And I saw some of the yields reported there in the Pacific Northwest, and they are staggering. Wheat growers up there in the PNW had some good weather this year, I'd assume. They really did. Yeah, what a turnaround from 21 when they had the drought to face. But this year, uh, the PNW had some really good wheat, and we had some great entries from, from that area. So we had some bin busters. But our 24 national winners um, are spread out um, nine different states. And the contest is designed to give everybody a chance because we do have those categories where it's not just based on yield, but it's based on their yield uh, percent over their county average. So that's kind of a nice feature of our contest that everybody has a chance. That certainly is. And so for folks who are tuning in who aren't wheat growers, and what are the categories of, of wheat that you award contest awards in? Okay, we have four categories, winter wheat dryland, winter wheat irrigated, spring wheat dryland, and spring wheat irrigated. And then within the dryland categories, we break it down a little bit more with those percent over county. That is very cool. Let's talk about some of the yields. Who had the biggest yield this year? Who was the overall winner, Ann? Yeah, the bin buster in the winter wheat irrigated was Riley Reynolds out of uh, Twin Falls County in Idaho, and he had 231.3 bushels. So that was a huge yield. That's the best the contest has ever seen. And uh, so the 231 the bushels of irrigated winter <laughs> wheat in Idaho? Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's something. Yeah. That is so something. And you say that's the highest you've ever seen in the contest. It is. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great yield. And uh, Riley was a winner last year, too, and his dad, Gary, has been in this contest as well, and he's a winner this year with 209 bushels. So they, they had just some tremendous wheat out that way. On the dryland side, how were those top yields coming in? Well, on the dryland, the winter wheat dryland uh, was 166. So that was a really great yield out of Washington. Gene Warren from, uh, from the state of Washington got the 166. And so we had some really good uh, winter wheat dryland yields as well. The spring wheat uh, top was 125 bushel, and that's about what we've seen. It, it's kind of kind of similar to the past years. And spring wheat irrigated was was great. Moses Lake, Washington, Derek Freya, and 195 bushel. Wow, those are big numbers. Now, I did notice on the spring wheat dryland category that all of the over-county winners were in North Dakota. I'm guessing that was a more of a response to the terrible drought they had last year. But were crops looking strong this year across the Dakotas? Yeah, we did. In the in the western part of the state, the wheat looked looked really good, and I think that was you know part of that. And the other thing I think that happened is, of course, Oklahoma. Kansas, Texas, entry numbers were down. The the drought really hit those folks hard, and that's where we do see some of our other. Well, that's in in winter wheat, but we see some some of the percent over counties coming from uh, some of those states too. So, but North Dakota always shows up strong with this contest. We have some really good wheat in North Dakota. That is fantastic. And what's next for the contest winners and contenders? Do they go on to? Do they get a plaque? Well, what we do is uh, take them to the Commodity Classic. in New, in uh, It's in Orlando in March. And so we have a winner's reception in Orlando in March, and that'll be a good time. And also the, the winners, the 24 winners, have sent in wheat samples, uh, at least six pounds, to do some baking and milling testing. And if they uh, qualify, meeting all the specs that were in the rules about uh, customer-desired quality, they're going to get an extra $500. So that's now, that is a really neat thing. Is that a new addition to the contest, or has that always been there? It's new this year, so we're, we're trying that to see, uh, to see how we can do 
do both, you know, high yield and high quality. That's what we really want. So we're seeing how it, how it goes. So it's a, that's a new feature of the contest this year. That is fantastic. I hope it goes well. It'd be an exciting little bonus for those winners. And if we've got listeners right now, they want to see all those yields and they want to see who the winners were on the wheat contest, where can they go for that information? Yeah, they should go to my website, wheatfoundation.org. And uh, right in there, there's a thing about the yield contest. So wheatfoundation.org, and then they can learn about the winners and they can figure out how they're going to enter for 23. The new um, contest website opens in January, 1st of January. And um, one more thing I have to bring out is our sponsors, you know, because we have great sponsors for this contest and we couldn't do it if we didn't have them. And, And so our sponsors like West Bread and BSF John Deere, the McGregor companies, they not only help us financially, but they also help their customers get in the contest and do the best job they can with their management practices for their wheat. Fantastic. So if you're not in the contest, if you've never entered, but you're curious, talk to, I imagine, your retailer or check out the foundation website, get signed up when that contest website opens up in January. We've been talking to Ann Osborne, the project director with the National Wheat Foundation. And Ann, thank you so much for that update and congratulations to all the winners. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And folks, thanks for tuning in to AOA today. Do be sure to join us tomorrow. We'll be talking about corn's usage in the pet food industry with our friends from the National Association of Corn Growers. And we'll also be talking about the changing situation in China. Geopolitical expert John Holzman will be on the program. He's going to break down what happened this past week with the Communist Party Congress over there in China and the election, quote unquote, of Xi Jinping to the third term as president, effectively making him president for life. John will break that down for us tomorrow. In the meantime, we did have a little bit more news. 210 Analytics released a report talking about consumers' approach to the protein markets. I figured that was fitting with Laura on the show today. Basically, what they have found is that fresh meat price per unit was $7.91 for the last 52 weeks. That's up from $7.14 a year ago. Those higher prices are hitting consumers in the pocketbook. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in to AOA today. We look forward to you joining us for more agricultural content on the show tomorrow. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. This is the place most people think of when they hear that a seed has been engineered for superior performance and designed with proven genetic traits. Because something like that could only come from a lab, right? But this is where Allegiant Seed by CHS comes from. It's made by farmers for farmers. Its advanced genetics and unbeatable value are proven here in their fields to make sure they do the job in yours. Talk to your CHS retailer about Allegiant Seed today or learn more at AllegiantSeed.com. This is Ernie Johnson Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles and college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD and you can help. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill. Or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association.